Hey, 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 Closet Busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So here it is, February of 2024, and life is good in the world about LGBTQ. They all love us. They think we're the greatest thing since sliced bread, and there's no problems whatsoever. Of course, I'm being a real sarcastic bitch right now, listeners, but I feel like it's really important for us to continue to acknowledge that the fight is not over. The fight continues. The education is what I prefer to say. It. The education and opening of minds is the banner that I feel like we as LGBTQ community should continue to hold on to and, and put you know in the focal point. And as I was looking at the new year, and many of you know from episode 604, we kind of like we're going to just really take life on closet and refocus it back to a predominance of just LGBTQ stories and guests. One of the things that keeps coming close to my heart is the situations, the fights, the fears, the issues that show up around those in our community that fall under the letter T or the non-conforming. It shouldn't be happening. And it shouldn't be happening regardless of what age you are. And today's guest is a lovely individual that took a big, big step at an age that most of us would probably go, mm, no, I'll just make this work. Whether it's coming out of the closet or being who you are, or like, okay, I'm just going to do this. She made the big life-changing transition to being her at 67 years old. And I feel like this story is not quote a new story, but it's one of the fewer stories that people come out later in life and make these big transitions. And I'm so excited to have Wendy Cole who helps other individuals as a transition mentor. And she's here to tell her story about the fears and the doubts and the anxieties that held her back for decades and to hopefully help open some eyes, open some minds and just be a little glimmer of light here in our world on the planet. So Wendy, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much, Rick. I'm very glad to be here. So 67. Wow. 67. That's a big, and, that's a big decision to make later in life on so I many had fronts, no other right? Choice. I had no uh, other choice. I love and, that. And um I spent from 1970 to 2015 very much in the closet. That's four mm. and a half decades, Rick. Yeah. And most of it, I was pretty miserable. Mm. Um, I coped with it in many different ways, which we can go into if you wish later. But that was uh, my life in the closet. Mm -hmm. Um uh, going into 2015, I was in a very dark place, had some very serious thoughts, and I decided to do some research because from 1970, when I tried the transition, and it was a complete disaster, upended my life, um, I uh, 
repressed. I went through and lived checking off all the check boxes that our society expects of males. Well, I was living behind my male facsimile. Mm -hmm. uh, my male representative, as one of my friends said. Wow. And um, I struggled with that all the way through. Um, as I said, going into 2015, it was really bad for me. Um, I went online. I hadn't looked ever. I didn't want to discover what it was. Oh, and during that time frame, I hadn't cross-dressed. I couldn't do it. It hurt too much to remove everything because mm. it was a constant reminder of who I was and what I was. It didn't matter if there were like-minded people around, which wasn't my privilege at the time. I had a deal with my wife at the time that I would never leave the house in a dress. So you're talking it, very closeted. Well, yes, but what you just described is... It is the pain of the mask, whether you're putting yeah. the mask on for like, okay, I finally feel, okay, I can be me. But then the pain to remove that reminds mm -hmm. you of everything that you can't be in that moment. It, right. it, it's something that we all confront in our own different ways in the LGBTQ community. But I feel like as a trans woman, which I even hate to say that you're a woman, let's just, let's mm -hmm. just go there. Okay. Exactly, because I, I refuse to put the word trans in front of one. Right. And I don't like to do it either, but a lot of times this helps us define for who's listening and trying to open the mind of, okay, this exactly. is in, in the world of worlds. This is what we call mm -hmm. it, unfortunately. I like but the phrase that, it as I was born transgender. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which is true. There's no, exactly. it's like I was born gay. There is, exactly. I don't care who wants to tell me I'm full of shit about that. No. <laughs> I know that I knew at a really young age, I knew there was that thing. I didn't understand it at that point. And I, I've, oh, talked, likewise. I've talked to so many people have, who have gone through your journey. They're like, yeah, I knew I didn't know what to do with it. And especially, you know, I'm not that far behind you in age. I'm 60 years old back in the times when this was happening for us. Ooh, we, we didn't go there. You did not even give any indication because you were going to be like thrown out of homes or lobotomies or you know, the ugly stuff was happening. Well, I told my parents at age 10, I was a girl. I actually dressed up in my mother's clothes as best I could find that would fit me, did mm. makeup and sat and waited for her to come home. Mm. And I told her I'm a girl and I refused to get out of it. And she said, well, wait until your father comes home. Cause this was the 1950s, Rick. I yeah. did this in the 1950s, late 1950s. And I was taken to a psychiatric center. And after I heard the doctors say all kinds of things like, uh, oh, this is just transvestism. He's too young to diagnose as transsexual, um, all that stuff. And uh, uh, after the last visit on the way home, my mother turns to me and says, you have to forget all about this. Um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And if you don't, uh, we're going to have you committed because we were seeing a psychiatrist at a psychiatric center just north of New York City. Now let's just, let's just kind of put that in perspective, Wendy. Not to interrupt, but let's just sure just let's just think about that. This is not that long ago. No, it's not in the grand scheme of time. 
70s mm-hmm. to present day that people were getting committed to psychiatric centers for this. People were being right. told because you're gay, trans, any of but especially trans, like there's something completely wrong with you. You know, I remember thinking about it because I came out at 19, didn't go through religious, you know, I shouldn't say the whole ex-gay stuff, but I spoke to a pastor and I couldn't help but think, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Yet I knew what was right with me. I mean, unfortunately, I even thought the pastor was hot. So there we have that, right? (laughs) But I, I can't imagine because I can't experience what you and other individuals who were born transgender feel when, and my my friend, Michelle, that you and I were talking about before we started recording, she said, I always could just look in the mirror, but what I saw wasn't what I saw. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be really tough. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I don't expect people in general to understand what I'd like them to, to, to do is just know about the facts of how we feel about who we are and what we have to do to survive and go through life. Mm. And being it, it a- is interesting to see what people can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen so many, there was, I haven't seen so many lately, but there was a, not, not too many months ago, there was a lot of strings of idiotic, instagram videos about oh i feel like i'm a bacon so i must you know i'm going to be a piece of bacon or it's like you you people don't get this you know you just don't get it i mean and i finally i had one confrontation with somebody online after after i aired a show with somebody who was in the trans community and they just started ripping on me i said well let me just be honest with you you look like an individual this happened to be a woman saying you can't they can't be women i'm like well I don't know anything about you, but that would be like me saying to you, well, you know what? I don't think that blonde hair that you have and that those tits that you have aren't yours, but you saw that that's who you thought you were. So you decided to be it. So I guess if I want tits and blonde hair, that's who I need to be. So I'm just going to become it. It's the same assumption. And she got really annoyed. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't care if you got annoyed. I'm trying to make you really see something because it's not even close to the same what I just described. Right. There is an innate being within the soul of this person who says, mm-hmm. I don't feel like me, period. Me is struggling to come to the surface. Me is struggling to put myself in the presence of the world in the way that I see myself and feel myself. And nobody else has the right to tell me I don't have that right to be that. Right. So what was the key moment you said? I mean, I think you said early on in this conversation, you had to do this. There was no like, well, maybe not. or So it got to that point where you had to do it. So what was that inciting moment for you or moments? As I said, I was in a very dark, dark place. You know, suicide is a very real thing for uh, people feeling this. So and that's pretty much where I was. I went online finally. <clears throat> and uh, that's when I found out that the uh, diagnosis that I was given in 1970 had changed in 2012. Picture that for just a moment. It took from 19 early days all yeah, the way yeah. up to 2012 in the 21st century for things to change. Hmm. So that was the moment for me when I found out that this was now 
a condition you're born with. Mm -hmm. It's treatable through therapy, through hormone therapy, and any necessary surgeries. Wow, I can get my birth defect fixed. Mm -hmm. I can start taking estrogen. I can, you know, just start being and feeling like my body is now aligned with my inner being. Mm -hmm. That was the moment for me. I read that online. I immediately went upstairs. I was married at the time. Like a lot of gay men, I got married. I checked all the boxes, did Absolutely. all the stuff. <laughs> yeah. And here I am. I yeah. walked into my wife and I said, well, because we had talked about this four years after we were married. I figured we might be divorced, but no, that wasn't the case. Uh, she had reasons that she wanted to stay together as long as I didn't pursue this or do anything about it. And at the time I knew from 1970, I had no other options. So that's the way the rest of my life went until 2015. I'm standing in front of her saying, remember what we talked about in 1978? Yeah. Well, I just found out it's changed. Uh, I'm going to find a therapist. That's my starting point. I don't know where this is going to lead. I just know that's what I've got to do. I can't go on anymore. It, I'm, I'm done. I'm six, uh, six, at the time I was 66 heading for 67 wow. in, in uh, um, the next year. So um, here we go. I did find a therapist, uh, Stephanie. And at my first visit, Rick, this was so unbelievable to me. I poured my guts out talking to her about how I feel and what I know I am. And I hadn't done that in decades. This was a secret buried inside. So here I am spilling everything out. And it was an extended session because it was the first one. So um, I get up to leave. I look down, Stephanie's sitting there and she looks up at me and she goes, what's your name? And I snapped back, Wendy. Mm. And to my joy, amazement, and delight, I watched her scratch off my male representative's name and write Wendy on my file. And from that day forward, I was Wendy to her. I, I saw her for five years. Um, the last few years were just monthly check-ins. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really need to go, but I, I, I like that support. And um, now we're friends. Mm. But just, I want to just step back into that moment sure. for just, because there's something so empowering, so exciting, so scary, so real that all that was probably happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yet in that little bit of a pen stroke, your reality became your truth. Exactly. She was the very first person in my entire 67 years who listened to me, accepted me for who I am without burden it with understanding. There was no need to understand. This is who I am, period. And she was the first person in 67 years to actually treat me that way. 
I love that you use the word understand. It immediately took me back to a situation. I used to live in Southern California, worked with PFLAG a whole lot, volunteering to be on panels at colleges and high schools and community events and everything. And I got to know a mother and a son who the son transitioned at a younger age. And I remember talking to Christy numerous times and her saying that, you know, it was really hard because I lost my daughter, but I gained a son. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I got to see her speak on the panel, one of the most compelling lines she said is, we want to grapple and understand. She goes, but guess what I learned as a parent? It's not up to me to understand. Mm -hmm. It's up to me to embrace. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's a first, that's a very huge, big awareness just to see that ability to say that because yes, I have children, things hurt when they don't end up being exactly what you think they're going to be, Mm -hmm. but to have the fortitude and the open-mindedness to say, yeah, this didn't quite turn out the way I expected it. But regardless of that, the understanding will come. I will learn as my child and, and, and their therapist teach and we go through this as a family, mm-hmm. the understanding will come along. But at this stage, I just have to empower, embrace, and be empathetic and go show me the way. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a big, beautiful thing. And I think this is, I'm preaching to the choir now. I know it. any of you that are listening that are in the community, if people would just be willing to open the mind and say, help me see, teach me the way, show me the way. Now, I will also say it's kind of not our responsibility to do that, so to speak, but I'm sure the heck not going to turn somebody away who wants to understand me better as a gay man who says, can you just kind of guide me? Like, I'm not, I'm kind of new to how to do this with somebody who's gay or bi or trans or non-conforming. I'm probably not going to get it right. I said that numerous times when I first started working on the B-flag panels. I'm not going to get it right with my trans brothers and sisters i'm just not going to get it right even at times Mm -hmm. on these podcasts when i'm working with gender non-conforming on the podcast i fuck it up all the time because the physical manifestation my mind is saying but it's a guy it's a girl it's a guy it's a girl it doesn't our mind hasn't been trained to be a they a they a they so i give myself some grace number one Mm -hmm. but i also invite show me the way and i'm much more willing to say hey just show me the way. And I'm willing when somebody says that to me to do it. But if you're not going to be even willing to open your mind, it's a little bit harder Mm -hmm. because I don't know that it's our responsibility to teach the world, everything about trans (laughs) one Oh one, even though it helps us get through it. Right. Well, Rick, one of the things that I found when I first moved into new hope, Pennsylvania, uh, village Two, my first apartment, uh, the moving company brought me in. This mm-hmm. was a, I started my transition work with my therapist in January. Mm. I was moving into my apartment in July. I did this wow. in six months. That's amazing. And when somebody says to me in the community that it's very difficult and it takes a long time, my response is, if that's what you believe, then it will. Uh, it's all in the mind and your mindset. That's it what is. I learned going through that six months 
from January to July. So when I emerged from my apartment the first time, uh, once the moving guys left, I locked the door, put on a denim skirt, sandals, a, a top, and went grocery shopping. And never looked back. The first time I signed my name was when I got my store discount card. Mm. And a year, year and a half later, I wound up working in that store as a cashier. Wow. And I never revealed my transition. Anyone who was gay in the community would know because I frequented the gay bars as well as mm -hmm. the straight bars in town. And I loved talking with the guys. When I first moved into uh, town, I thought, oh, there's a large gay community here. They're all going to understand me just fine. Wrong. <laughs> mm -mm. No, in fact, our <laughs> and, own community sometimes can be uh -huh. worse than the heterosexual communities about like well, understanding, accepting and all that sort I of stuff. What I found was um, they were perfectly willing. They just didn't quite know how. So I didn't let them ignore me. Mm. I would have these conversations like, okay, yes, I was assigned male at birth. I never was a man. I had to live behind my male facsimile, my male representative. Yeah. And uh, now I am Wendy. I am a woman. I am female. At the time, I hadn't done it, but I said, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm destined in the universe to have surgery. Mm. I have to get my birth defect corrected. Mm. And that was Ooh, my I love mindset. that. I love that. <laughs> that was my mindset going into 20, 20. But what a great way to position it. This is a birth defect I have. Uh -huh. This is a birth defect. Pretty straightforward and simple. And yet some yeah. people go, you know, you know, you heard it. It's not a birth defect. It's it's a, you know, it's a choice. No, it's not a choice, no, people. A choice. I, I don't care. You can go buy into that however you think you need to to serve your god that you believe thinks this way i don't think my god thinks that way so you go do you but you're hurting somebody else because you're too narrow-minded to understand we didn't just like oh we were born this way and that's what i love about gaga song we are born yeah. this way so accept that we were born this way and we need to get everything aligned so that we feel alive another way simple. that i would phrase it is gender is between the ears it's in the brain it's in the mm -hmm. mind yep it's not between the legs and the genitals <laughs> oh but they sure want to they sure want to buy into that that's the but, thing that's the thing that you that's know the thing it, everybody goes by when you're born yeah but well you know even born. on pfrag pflag panels i mean and you know i always i always gave the the students a little bit of a break because you know younger minds they're trying to figure all this stuff out right that was probably the biggest thing we got questioned about which is such a, like, you would you really ask your buddy, your straight buddy, if he has a penis? I mean, come on. So let's get real here, right? And I love that, you know, that whole piece of gender is up here, not down here. Uh -huh. It's kind of like me being gay is up here. My penis isn't, okay, well, my penis does <laughs> think about that from time to time. Let's get real. But it's more here because what I see and what I am drawn to and attracted to says this is my truth mm -hmm. so it is how i was born and predisposed and i love the fact that you actually had a little help because you shared with me 
a little bit about moving into that community. Talk a little bit about the support and what you did get. Well, I would be um, started with my neighbors. Um, I had uh, several straight uh, uh, couples, three gay couples, um, and some single people mixed, you know, mm -hmm. most, mostly straight. So I decided, okay, I'm beginning to realize people really don't understand me. Mm. See, when I started all of this too, I didn't realize there was a trans community out there on Facebook or anywhere else in the world. So I'm doing this pretty much on my own. On your own. Yeah. And um, I actually think that was an advantage because I had no preconceived ideas of what to expect. And I could go off and just be me. Mm -hmm. And it was fun. I had a blast. I wasn't scared. I had already done all my mental mindset work right. before doing that. So the presentation, the clothing, the makeup, the hair, the whole bit, that became very natural and felt good. I didn't have to work at it. I did get some professional guidance with makeup from a cosmetologist, but that's it. And so I would go and be very open with them. Yes, I was born transgender, assigned male at birth and all, but now I'm me. And I would go, um, I'm an open book. There are no questions off limits. And I will talk about anything relative to my life. So let's have a conversation. That's the way I approached it. And then I would... I graduated to going to the uh, one of the biggest gay bars in town. Happy hour. I loved happy hour. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd walk in. Um, Robbie or Marty or whoever was on the bar would holler out, Wendy's here. Mm. And I'd go sit down at the bar. And it was home. Um, I felt very comfortable. And... I had lots of conversations with the guys and with the married guys, it was really quite interesting. Um, they would say, well, I got married. I did this. I said, yeah, you did all of those things. So did I. And yeah. the only difference between you and me is you became a G I became a T. Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. And we have far more in common than not. And these conversations went on pretty much through my first couple of years right. and it was fun. I loved going there. I also met uh, um, uh, what we call in the community cisgender women mm -hmm. at the gay bar. Yeah. Um, I asked them why they came to the bar <laughs> and, <laughs> and they said, for the same reason you do. <laughs> It's fun. We get to hang out here and nobody hits on us. <laughs> mm, yep. And in fact, the guys are great to talk with. Yeah. So it was overall uh, very, very supportive. And when I had surgery in 2017, I went for surgery at NYU Medical Center with Dr. Mm -hmm. Rachel Bluebond. And the guys all knew I had a, um, a countdown app on my uh, phone. Hmm. counting down the days to my consultation day counting down the days to my surgery 
Well, <laughs> I'd walk into the bar and somebody would invariably ask me how many more days mm. and I'd go 120 or whatever it was. Right. And how can you do that? And the guy would grab his crush <laughs> and I'd say, I'm correcting my birth defect. Right. Exactly. That's all it is. That's all it is. Because yeah. I, I I loved I I can't even remember. It was a younger, younger trans. Maybe it was a trans man. Anyway, it's been it's somebody on the podcast years ago. <clears throat> kind of similar conversation. So actually, I think it was a woman, but then we got into a whole thing about trans men. And I remember I remember him, him now her saying. Somebody said, well, how can you do that to your penis? She's, and she said, it never existed in my mind. It was never there. It was just like this deformity that I'm like, why is that there? Why is that there? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such an interesting, candid, honest way to say, think about it. If you were born with a wart on your nose that you couldn't do anything, would you not try to get rid of it? Mm-hmm. Yes, but I, I get men, gay men, straight men. They're like, their penis is their prize. I mean, hello. <laughs> and then one day it quits working, guys. So just get ready. I mean, I'm 60 years old. I'm not dead. I'm, I'm 60. I ain't dead. But it definitely well, doesn't work as good as it used to. So, I mean, I think, but it's such an interesting thing that things that we put the value into our value set around in our own sexuality and gender identity, whether you're trans, gay or whatever. And then to ask somebody like, well, how could you do that? It's like, I'm actually not doing anything other than doing what makes me feel more truthful to myself. Exactly. I was uh, going back to Dr. Bluebond for my second, I think, uh, second follow-up uh, visit after surgery. Um, I took um, the New Jersey Transit into Penn Station, get out on 7th Avenue. I'm walking down 30th Street. I'm somewhere between 5th and 6th Avenue. And the store windows are all black, highly reflective. New York mm. City sidewalk, people walking by. I'm standing there looking at myself in the glass, mm. going, holy shit, you finally did this. You're a woman. Wow. And it was just the most wonderful experience. And I met so many great people in New York City and had so many good experiences there. New Hope, Pennsylvania was a short train ride. Uh, New Jersey Transit's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Into Manhattan, it was easier to get from uh, New Hope, Pennsylvania to Manhattan than it was to go to Philadelphia. Wow. Transportation systems were phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that coming alive, seeing yourself in the reflection Mm -hmm. I can't help but I can't help but think the emotions you had to have felt. Oh my God. I was just overwhelmed. It was just so wonderful and mm -hmm. such a warm, happy feeling like, wow, I've dreamed of this since I was a kid, mm -hmm. you know, three, four, five years old, five years old, six years old, wake up praying that this was gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And my closet was filled with dresses and pretty shoes. <laughs> right. 
Right. That was it. But it's very similar to, I remember the first time uh, and everybody who's listened to the podcast knows my, my history, my cheating ways, all the stuff that I did to cope as I was married to a woman. And I, I cared about my ex-wife and the mother of my children, but it wasn't working. It was never going to work. It never worked the whole time we were together. I remember the first time after I came clean and said, okay, here I'm gay wasn't the best time in my life because the guy that I was seeing was the reason I came out. And so there was some mm -hmm. angst there, but I remember the first time I laid in bed with him after the truth was out, there was no shame. There was no guilt. There was excitement. There was freedom. There was contentment. I thought, wow, I, this is what the fuck I've been working for. Not because it was a great lay. Okay. I'm going to, <laughs> and he was a beautiful guy. But it was such a different feeling. Like, guess what? This time, I do not have to get up, slink away, make sure everything's put together, make sure, you know, you know, all the stuff doesn't have to get yeah. hidden. Mm -hmm. I just get to go be me. And I can't help but think like that walking past those windows and seeing that beautiful reflection. It's like, I just am finally who I am. Exactly. Hmm. So exactly. as you as you have gone through this, kind of similar to what I did, suddenly this has become your way of work and giving back to the world. So did that like come on to me? Like, okay, I did this. Now I'm the expert. I'm going to go help others. Or was it like a more organic, like somebody started saying, how did you do this? Okay, how could you help me? Or give us a little insight. Like, how did you become the trans mentor? Where I got to in... 2021. 20, 20, mm -hmm. um, I spent the pandemic year. I decided I'm going to start an online coaching business. Mm. And I um, worked with um, a business coach. Yep. A very wonderful lady, uh, Sue Beejan. Mm. Um, lived uh, right across the river from New Hope in uh, Lambertville, New Jersey. And I worked with her through 2020 on setting this up and learning some of the ropes of the business behind it. Anyway, uh, what inspired me to do that was my experiences at NYU Medical Center, the surgery that I had, the people that I met. Um, I met uh, uh, I actually started working with uh, helping girls get in for their surgeries, telling them what they needed to do, uh, all of that. Um, and I was asked one night if I would be willing to talk with one of the girls who was having surgery on Thursday morning. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I got a phone call asking me if I would talk to her because she's kind of panicked. And one of the first things I asked was, does she need the surgery? Oh, yes, yeah, she needs it. Um, and she knows that. But um, at any rate, um, I wound up talking with her for probably an hour and a half before her wow. surgery, before she went to sleep. I told her she didn't have to sleep that night. Just lie there, relax. You know, this is what you've dreamed of your entire life. You know, you want it, you know, you need it uh, and you're in the best hands. So just relax and enjoy yourself. Um, 
don't let the thoughts of anything going wrong or anything else ruin this beautiful moment for you. And I did find uh, one of the girls that I talked with was actually a student between her sophomore, junior year or somewhere in that mm -hmm. framework at NYU. And she was having her surgery. Mm. And I talked with her that night. And I also talked with her because in 1970, when I was in college, I would have loved to have been in her position. Yep. Absolutely would have loved that. But uh, here she was. And I talked with her. She found me on Instagram probably about a year and a half later or so mm. and thanked me. Wow. Saying um, that was one of the most uh, uh, wonderful conversations before the surgery. Mm -hmm. um, uh, she remembers me telling her not bother wor worrying about sleeping. She's going to sleep most of the next day. And um, she said she actually uh, slept for about three, four hours that night. She was so relaxed after talking with me. That's what I love doing is helping people get through this. I call it uh, Wendy's 80% rule. Mm. Facing most life changes begins and is 80% between your ears. So, and- But it is- I don't think people grasp, I mean, we've touched on that a little bit already, but I don't think people grasp that 80% between your ears. Mm -hmm. It's so much in our minds. You know, mm -hmm. every time somebody, I'm working with somebody coming out of the closet, which is similar to the work you do, you know, they're coming out, they're coming out to say, this is my truth. The question that always comes up, well, you know, how do I do this? This is so different than anything else I've ever done. And I'm never going to, I'm never going to say it isn't, it is different. You haven't. I don't think you've mold transitioned multiple times. That isn't something that you would, most people probably wouldn't do. Right. But there's big moments you've had about living your truth. There's big conversations you've had about this. Mm -hmm. And all of that resides up here. It resides exactly. in our head. It resides between our ears in that lovely little gray matter. We call our minds. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not going to try to deflate the impact that it has, but when you really start thinking through Okay, well, what's something else really big that I've shared with somebody? What's something else that really scared the crap out of me that I felt like I couldn't talk about? But yet, I did. I did talk about that. These are the moments where, through therapy and coaching and, and having these kind of conversations, we start to, quote, level the playing field, so to speak. Yes, it's still a big conversation. It's still a big transition. Not diminishing that by any stretch of the imagination, Wendy. Mm -hmm. But when we as a human start to embrace what is going on between those lovely little ears of ours and go, mm -hmm. how can this actually help me and empower me and help me see the pathway forward? There's where the energy starts to pick up. Oh. There's where we get emboldened. Mm -hmm. It's all about that energy and learning to embrace change. It just benefits the rest of a person's life. So you know, it, our reality is in our minds. Yes, we have things around us that we can touch, feel, smell, etc. They're there, but it's our minds that take in all of those senses. And all of that um, forms our reality. And no surprise, 
your reality and my reality are not going to be quite the same. We're going to be processing that and storing it all differently. And it's our reality that forms the basis for our, um, our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. our thoughts trigger our emotions. And our thoughts and our emotions are what actually go into forming our beliefs. And those thoughts, we, we have like 50,000 thoughts a day or more. Right. Yep. And most of them are not supportive and not helpful. One of the things that I had to learn at the beginning of my transition, and the reason why I know I was able to do it in six months and have joy at, at the end of that six months was I learned how to control my thoughts, my emotions, and those thoughts and emotions trigger chemicals, neuropeptides, things in your body. That's how the mind communicates with the body so that it knows what your what the mind is thinking, what the mind is feeling. So well, what's if- interesting to that point, Wendy, too, is the body also can trigger backwards. Sometimes, exactly. you know, we have that intuitive intuitive hit or I always know when something isn't feeling right because it hits me Mm -hmm. in my stomach. It kind of hits me in my shoulders a little bit. And when I start feeling those things like, okay, wait, what's going on? What is it that I'm not buying? What is it I'm not paying attention to? Mm -hmm. And it starts, as soon as I start having those parts of the conversation with myself, I can start to feel the ease starting to set in because I'm like, okay, I'm paying attention now. I'm allowing myself to step into this knowledge that I now know about how my body does things and mm-hmm. how it plays in the arena with my mind. Yes. Okay. A lot of times the thoughts lead to the body and vice versa sort of stuff. But man, when I really began to unlock that, I mean, Louise Hay and her work about, you know, all the stuff the body tells you when it's happening and all this sort of stuff, I really started to lean into it yet. As I leaned to it, I'm like, of course this works. <laughs> it's been happening my whole freaking life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think these are the beautiful things that as we all move through our journeys, number one, realize you're not alone. Number Mm -hmm. two, it's, it's your world. It's your life. It's your body. It's your truth. Exactly. Go live it, go be it. So what is one of the greatest things that you feel like? I mean, I know there's many things, but one of the greatest things that you feel like you've learned by fully stepping into yourself that continues to be the thing that on a daily basis, just like it keeps you going. It keeps you going. I really enjoy my life Mm. and who I am now. It is Mm. so different than the first 67 years of my life. Also learning to be authentically me and stepping into my reality has also affected my body physically. Mm. I used to weigh almost 70 pounds more. Wow. I was type two diabetic. I had Mm. lousy blood work, cholesterol, triglycerides. I was a mess, both Mm. emotionally and physically. Over the last going on nine years, I'm no longer type two diabetic for the last five years. Wow, I'm no congrats. longer, no longer, my blood work always comes back perfect. And I lost all that weight. Mm. 
That's and the amazing. reason is, is I care about myself and I love who I am. Right. And that makes all the difference in the world, both to how I feel, how I live, who I am, and also my physical health. Mm. I, I feel so grateful every day for the opportunity that I found I had as a result of everything changing in 2012. Mm. And I found out about it and I'm so grateful that I took advantage of it. And mm. that's what I like sharing with others. Well, that gratitude right there and the gratitude of giving yourself that gratitude back. Number one, it mm -hmm. starts right there. And then realizing when I can be thankful for who I am and how I choose to show up in the world, it, it gives me more room to allow other people to be who they are and show up in the world. Exactly. Most people not going to say everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We won't even go down that path, but, but it, it's, that's an interesting space. I used to hate on myself so much because of all oh, of God, this. Yes. I, and then on top of it, the more I cheated, the more I hated on myself, but the more alive I came. So then those two things were in conflict. Like I'm alive because, wow, I'm actually like, oh yeah, this is what it feels like to be with a man. And it wasn't just the sex. I always mm -hmm. say it wasn't just the sex. It was the camaraderie, the, you know, most of the time it was sex, but there were, there were a couple of few, more than a couple of few guys. That's like, mm -hmm. we spent time not having sex. Mm -hmm. And then that screwed me up even more. I'm like, wow. So this is what I could really feel like. What am I doing? Well, I can't do that because that's not who I'm supposed to be. To, so I love that you're, you're showcasing and sharing and guiding others into this space of one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves is to be ourselves. In fact, there's a, mm -hmm. um, Quote that I say at the end of every talk that I give, regardless of the venue, the truth of who you are is far more powerful than the false truth you're pretending to be. Exactly. So go show the world who you are. Exactly. Not everybody's going to embrace it. That's okay. Because those who don't embrace it, they probably don't deserve a seat at your table. It's that simple. So Exactly. So Wendy, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, work with you, I mean... Let's just kind of your website, you shout your website out so they can hear that from your own, your mouth oh, to their ears. Okay. My website is Wendy Cole, all one word, Wendy, mm -hmm. W-E-N-D-Y-C-O-L-E-G-T-M.net. Okay. Awesome. And, um, and if you're finally ready to understand your perplexing mindset, Mm -hmm. around abuse trauma and people not understanding you or hearing you and would like three specific skills to start using immediately to untangle your thoughts and your anxiety go to calendly.com slash wendy cole tm slash get clarity nice that's awesome. I'd love to connect with you. Yes. Uh, I'd love to have people connect with you. So thank you so much for taking us into the new year with a, a story and insights on being fully yourself and helping someone, somebody, hopefully maybe more than just one that's listening to this might go, okay, 
whether I'm going to transition or not, maybe not be their path, but they may decide this has helped me see that I can come out and be who I am. There may be somebody who is listening, who is like, I'm on that verge. I'm ready to make that, that quote, step into my truth. I I don't want to say leap of faith. It's not a leap of faith. It's a stepping into your truth. That's what's important. So, well, thank you for being here, Wendy, and being part of my community and helping shine the light on yet another beautiful aspect of the world our transgender brothers and sisters. So thanks for being part of this. Thank you, Rick, for the opportunity to share this with you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And we just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted.